0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. This morning we're going to follow that theme. And some of you may be completely lost in what I'm going to say because I'm going to be a little deeper than I normally am on a Sunday morning because this is actually the fourth uh, session to the seminar that we did on last day's. And I believe it was some absolutely revolutionary things. I've been teaching this subject now for a number of years. I teach it in in a couple of different even uh, Bible schools or colleges and some second year students. I've met with some heads of denominations recently uh, taking a look at some of the ways that we're looking at this. That's not to give me legitimacy. It's just to say that I promise you that we've thought through a lot of the things that we've shared with you I'm going to start 2 Peter today, but let me just review just a little bit because I know there's quite a few of you that were not here. So if you kind of hear some things this morning, you say, well, I don't really understand a lot of that. Please, please, please go back and watch the other three videos because we, we did Q&A. We did a lot of stuff in teaching on this. But on Friday night, I introduced this by showing you a whole lot of time texts. I'm going to read 2 Peter. It's going to be my first scripture this morning, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse number 1 through 13, we're going to look at. But while you're turning there before we read this, let me just reiterate a few thoughts. We started out on Friday night by saying in Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times, in times past, spoke to us in through the, and by the prophets, hath, everybody say hath, touch your neighbor say that's not something He's going to do, that's something He's already done who hath, he says, God, who hath in these last days spoken to us about the Son. The Apostle Paul was telling Hebrews, that's the context of that writing, that that he believed they were living in the last days of something. God hath in these last days. We usually, whatever our mindset is about last days, grab it and go, oh, he's talking about 2022. He wasn't writing to you. He was writing to Hebrews. How do I know that? It's the title of the book. If I said, "Dear <laughs> Gavin, the first thing this thing's going to do is have some relevance to him." And I said to Gavin, God has in these last days, how I mean, I'm talking to him, relevant to him." And so we, we talked about how well, Paul, maybe Paul just thought he was living in the last days because he was being a lot let down over baskets walls and baskets, shipwrecked, snake-bitten and perils among the sea. maybe he just thought he was living in the last days. So we checked to see if we could find any more apostolic witnesses that would say the same thing, And then we found the Apostle Peter stand up in Acts chapter two. He said, when the Holy Ghost fell, he said, this is that, that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days. So Peter called his day the last days. Well, thank you for that thunderous amen. Then the Apostle John in 1 John says, little children, we know that it is the last time because Antichrist is already on the scene. And I said that was before Osama, Obama, Chelsea's mama, or the last Trump. Well, thank you. Hallelujah. We showed you different words in the Greek that were what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world. And what we saw is that the word world in the original King James is a mistranslation of the Greek word eon. And he wasn't talking about the end of the world as in a global catastrophe. He was talking about the end of an age, an end of an eon. That's a game changer. Hebrews 9 uses the same word, says, Once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the so- sacrifice of himself. I mean, that's not something he's going to do, that's something he did in the end of the world. But once again, that Greek word for world there is not global, it is the in, it's not cosmic, it is the Greek word for age. I mean, once in the end of the age he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And what I said to, to many of you and I know this is going to be shocking to some of who were not here but what I said to many of you uh, that were in this conference is that a whole lot of stuff that we believed about the last days are actually past days. That would be incredibly good news, wouldn't it? And what we shared with you is probably a lot of stuff you've been taught about last days is right. You just had the end at the wrong spot. And what we showed you was that the end is not cosmic, it's covenantal. In other words, the end that he's talking about that we're going to talk about here this morning in the book of Peter is not the end of the world because that's a real conflict with Ephesians that uses the correct word where Ephesians says, To him be glory in the churches throughout all generations. World without end. Now, see that, would, see, that would kind of get exciting to me, even if I kind of was a doomsday guy. I would say, well, wait a minute, maybe God has a plan and a purpose for this planet. And maybe what Jesus preached was really true, that the kingdom is like leaven and it will continue to grow until it infects the whole lump. Maybe what Isaiah prophesied about will come to pass, that as truly as I live, saith God, all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Maybe what he said concerning Jesus, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, his name shall be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Wouldn't that be good news if I said to you, we win. Come on, come on. The fight is fixed. I don't know why that would make anybody upset, you know, when you start talking, but we, what happens is, is our worldviews are shaped by a lot of stuff that we have been taught eschatologically that really is only a couple hundred years old. And actually much of our dispensational end-time theologies were started. If you go back and study it and just look at it in Wikipedia, they were started during the time of Reformation to stop the Reformation. They came up with a futuristic scheme of, of interpretation to put something out in the distance because they were declaring at that time when the the, the reformation was going on that oh, I'm probably getting too deep here for Sunday morning. If you get upset, I'll be gone this afternoon. <laughs> you go back to thinking however you want to, but I think it's good to make people think. Amen. I mean, I'm not even, you know, I, I started this thing. I said, I'm not a fighter. You can think whatever you want to. I'll share my thoughts and you can you can have some of your own. It's okay with me. Hallelujah. But what, I, you know, it was started by a Jesuit priest by the name of Francisco Ribera, who was uh, under command by the Pope to stop to come up with a futuristic scheme of interpretation to take the heat at that time off the Catholic Church because Luther was declaring that the Pope was Antichrist and that that, that great Babylon was the Church of Rome. I don't, I don't agree with that, but what, that's what was being preached at that time, so that's why they came up with a futuristic scheme of interpretation. And then a woman by the name of Margaret, Mac, Margaret MacDonald had a vision of Jesus coming in the clouds and the church flying through the air, and then L- uh, Larkin Schofield. Dake, all these guys came up with uh, all these charts and first thing you know uh, it became Paul Karcher and nobody ever t- questioned whether that was the original thought that the church taught. If you go back to the Nicene Fathers, the early fathers, they didn't teach any of that. They taught a dominion theology, a victorious eschatology that says we win, the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. I mean, no, God's project is not failure, His project is about bringing new creation and creating a brand new world. Somebody help me a little bit here this morning. It's about bringing into our world, and see, I think we're so messed up in the American church and all over the world because what we have taught primarily, here's the basic mindset of most Christians. Oh, I'm getting nervous this morning. I feel like a cat on a hot tin roof here this morning. Here's our basic mindset. Just give me the basic rules for what it takes to get to heaven and miss hell. That's what the basic concept of the most American Christianity is, or most Christianity. And that's so far from the fullness of the gospel because what God's or what God's intention is, is not to just get me from here to there, but it's to get what's happening there to operate here. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth. And as our sister said, I, I was so blessed even by how you took the offering because you were talking about this, that our giving is not, come on, because we're trying to pay off some debt, but we want to see what we can do to partner with God to bring about His kingdom, not over there somewhere, but here. And when Jesus preached the kingdom, He didn't preach it like some other world stuff. He preached it like this world. What we need more than anything else is not an escape hatch. We need heaven to start to invade the earth, and we need that to happen through people that are going to be yielded to vessels of the kingdom of God and realize we've been called to the kingdom for just such a time as this, that maybe God wants to raise up some Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand in the gap in the middle of a whole lot of stuff, even in the middle of chaos, and there are men like Ezra, Nehemiah, who in the middle of chaos would see a move of God that would say, let us arise and build instead of just standing back here crying, woe is me and the guy's falling. I don't know why it would offend people if I preach a great big God and a wee little defeated devil. And the bigger I preach God, it seems like the matter people get. But as we gave him glory this morning, I believe he's a whole lot bigger than people think he is. We've been taught in word of faith the authority of the believer and the dominion theology, except we think that means so we could get a bigger car and a nicer house. And I'm not opposed to the blessing of the Lord, but I think the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds with it no sorrows. And if you'll seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then all this other stuff is added to you. But then he gives you the power to get wealth so that the covenant can be established in the earth. Maybe some of the dreams you've had that you thought, you know, I said, well, I, I, I try not to be too controversial here this morning. But, you know, sometimes I challenge pastors, who, you know, that one minute they're talking about Jesus just, uh, God spoke to me to build this $2 million, $10 million building. We got a 10-year project and God spoke to me, we're going to do this. And then they get up the pulpit and say, you know what, Jesus could come for the night's over. And I'm like, he either told you to build a building or he didn't. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let let, let me behave a little bit here this morning. You need to watch the videos. Because just to make it blunt this morning, the last days that the Bible talks about is not the last days of a cosmic collapse or a global catastrophe. It is the last days of the Old Covenant. And what was about to pass away and pass off of the scene with these apostles and men stood here and all of these apostles including Jesus who prophesied the Matthew 24 uh, text where it says what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. He's standing there pointing at the beautiful buildings of the temple and he's talking about the demise of the old covenant and the passing away of that old dimension of the Mosaic covenant and he stands there and tells them that all of this stuff will come to pass before the generation standing said, this generation right here not out in 2022 will not pass away until everything i told you comes to pass but what we do is grab that out of context though it's somewhere out in our world and the first time we see any one of those things in usa today or cnn we're like this is the end this is the big one myrtle except that i am 65 years old and ever since i was this high i can tell you i have survived at least 12 into the world scenarios and after a little while, after reading all the books and studying all the charts and, and, and the, the, the 150th time, they said, whoops, saith the Lord, we were wrong. That when you prayed through, like you could change God's mind, maybe there's another way to look at this. And maybe it's victorious. Just consider the possibility that it may not fall apart. Just consider the possibility that God might be as big as he says he is. I said, somebody challenged me and said, well, you know, brother, how's what if you're wrong? I said, if I'm wrong, Jesus splits the Easter sky this afternoon, I'm with you. I'm out of here. Hallelujah. Because my salvation is not predicated upon whether or not how I believe in times. But if I'm wrong and I stand before God this afternoon and we fly out of here and I stand before him, I'm going to say, sorry, I preached you so big. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I mean, sometimes we, 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 we have, we, we, we've not even looked at the authority of the believer to the point where we realize that the authority of the believer is the moment something hits, we don't know what we're supposed to do. See, the kingdom of God is something that I believe is very practical in the lives of people right now. The kingdom of God operates in my home. It operates in my business. It operates in my life. It operates with how I treat people. Everything about the kingdom of God, come on, is a uh, is based upon me dreaming with God and realizing he's Abba. He's not just an austere man on a Victorian chair with a club in his hand ready to kill everybody. He's got a whole family of sons and daughters of God that he's put in the earth. with a mission to bring about and participate with Him in His new creation project. the book of Revelation He declares, Behold, I am making all things new. Write these words down because they are true and they are faithful. And so, we showed you a lot of those kind of stuff so I'm not going to review much more than that this morning. I will open now with that thought to 2 Peter chapter 1 because I want to talk about the new heaven and new earth a little bit this morning. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. This is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. In both which I stir up your minds by way of remembrance, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men." But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as uh, some men sl- count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, in the, which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat, and the earth, and also the works that are therein, will be burned up. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, seeing that you see these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heaven. And new earth. Now, let me just say again the context of this. uh, this, uh, I'm going to break this down. I apologize if you have not been in here to understand some of the context of what I'm saying. But I've tried to establish just a few moments ago that the biblical last days were not talking about the end of this age, they were talking about the end of that age. Peter is writing his epistle to people who are 30 some years into the new covenant. They are very shortly about to see the destruction. Of Jerusalem. The Romans are about to circle within three and a half years I think of the writing of the book of Peter they will find that they were encompassed with armies because Jesus prophesied and said here's the sign when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies you're going to know that it's near that the, that the desolation is near even at the door. And so when they saw when the, those that were alive and heard these apostles warning them concerning these things because Jesus himself set the time text. When they ask Him, when will these things be? His answer to them is in Matthew 24, verse 34, He said, this generation will not pass away until everything I told you comes to pass. I showed you on a chart, the time chart uh, earlier in this seminar how that Jesus gave that prophecy in 30 A.D. and one generation, 40 years later, everything He prophesied came to pass, including war, famine, or tribulation such as was not since the world began. That when He said, even when He said, where Lord, He said, wherever the carcass is, that's where the The vultures have been gathered together, and it never dawns on us that the vulture was the insignia on the Roman banner when they seized the city of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was uh, trampled underfoot for 42 months by the Roman armies, and everything that was there was literally burnt to the ground. They were literally coming to the end of that, and so the last days that Jesus had prophesied about was the last days of the Old Covenant. And here's Peter coming back to reiterate some of that, and he's saying to them, listen, he said, uh, there's been let me say it like this. He's addressing people who have realized that the covenant, how many know that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets? You know, I feel almost like overwhelmed when I start to teach because it's sad to me that we're 2,022 years into the new, well somewhere around there, that's probably not exact. We're we're approximately 2,000 years into the new covenant. And I still got to convince people in the church as to what covenant we're under. It's kind of like frustrating. It's like we're we're at best a mixture. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, You need to rightly divide the word of truth. He's not talking about knowing Greek and Hebrew. He's talking about knowing which covenant you're under. Rightly dividing is the word of truth, is knowing whether it's truth in relationship to the old covenant or the new covenant. How many of you know Jesus came to fulfill? He didn't do away with, he fulfilled the law and the prophets. Every jot and every tittle was fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the book of Hebrews says that it was finished and it was now fading away. How many of you know it was fading away? just like it was fading away uh, for several years. In other words, there, there was two covenants in operation. Read the book of Acts. On Mount Sinai, they've got, the, uh, they've got, they've got uh, on, on the mountain of Moriah, they've got the tabernacle of Moses, or, or uh, let me put it, they've got the temple still in operation. They're still killing lambs. They're still baking bread. They're still lighting candles. they still got a Levitical priesthood system. But Peter stood up and said in Acts chapter 15, but what's happening here with God pouring out the Holy Ghost on the uh, Jews and the Gentiles is the fulfillment of the tabernacle of Moses that the prophet prophesied and said to this agree the words of the prophet that I'll return again to build the tabernacle of David which is broken down so that everybody can have access to God, both Jew and Gentile. But how many know while while the tabernacle of David was in operation, which was actually 40 years as well, the temple is still in operation in other words we got some folk who've come out from underneath of that system and some still not knowing what needs to go what needs to say how would you like to been in the jerusalem council when they're trying to decide do we still need to circumcise these guys how'd you like to have been the guy that was three days late to that meeting It was fading away, and the persecution that was coming on the apostles is because it looked like they're preaching a message diametrically opposed to the religious activities they've done for 1,500 years, but they're telling people, you don't need to offer the sacrifices anymore. And can I tell you that even the warnings, there's so much to say, but even the warnings uh, uh, that Paul was giving to the Hebrews when he's saying to them, listen he said once you have tasted he said therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of christ faith towards god and of baptisms and of laying on of hands let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation and then he says but if you sin willfully there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin and 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 that if you do you are doing despite to the Spirit of grace, and you are saying that the blood of the covenant is an unholy thing, and you are doing despite to the Spirit of grace. Now, that text has been used to terrify people. Help me, Holy Ghost. I have several psychiatrists to get product from me. And one of the main things several psychiatrists said to me was, she said to me, uh, she said, what you're teaching will cure my patients, because ninety some percent of the people that are in my, uh, are in my asylums think they've either blasphemed the Holy Ghost or they've committed the unpardonable sin. They're all quoting scriptures. They're all re- she said, but what you teach about this will help my patience because well, I can remember growing up and they said, if you sin willfully, once you've been enlightened, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Can we talk a minute? How many of you sinned since you've been saved? Let me see your hand. How many of you plotted it, planned it, carried out, and enjoyed it? I almost want to put an emoji up on the screen. If that's what that text means, I would say let's close in prayer and go home because we're all lost. But it wouldn't do no good to close in prayer. The context of that is the laying on of hands is not talking about what we do to see people get healed. I believe in that. I believe there's other texts for that. It's not talking about baptisms like we do when we get people saved and then we baptize them in water. That's not the text for it. There's other texts for that. This Hebrew 6 text is when you lay your hands on the heads of animals and confess your sin over them. And the word for baptisms here has to do with the mikvahs or the divers washings and the old ceremonial rules of the divers washings that they were going through. What he's saying is if you have, he said let's move on from Come on, bringing our animals every week. We're trying to see stuff through a 21st century lens. And he's talking about, let's go on to perfection. The word perfection there is not a verb. It's not a doing thing. The word perfection there is a noun. It's something that's already done. How many know we need to go into the perfect one? And I could teach all day just on that. But when he says, if you sin willfully, he's talking to Hebrews. Who are wanting to go back to Judaism. And the whole book of Hebrews is what's better about the new covenant that's better than the old. He's better than Levi. He's better than Joshua. He's better than Moses. There's a better promised land. There's better blood. There's better sacrifices. There's a better tabernacle. There's a better city. There's a better faith. Everything about it is better. That's what the book of Hebrews is trying to tell these Hebrews that Paul is admonishing them as he comes to the end of the book of Hebrews and reiterates the Hebrews 6 passage saying certain fearful is looking for a fire indignation that's about to come because if you sin willfully there remains no more sacrifice for sin. What he was saying to them, if you sin willfully, the word sin here means to miss the mark. How I many of the mark changed in the new covenant? The mark that we were trying to hit under the old covenant was keeping all the rules of the old covenant, except not even Moses made that. The mark in the new covenant is the image of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And it is him who is the mark. But how many know if you sin willfully? What he's saying to these Hebrews is if you miss the mark on purpose and you take your lamb back to the tabernacle, once you've tasted the power of the age to come, King James calls it the world to come. Again, it was the age to come. The age that was fading was the old covenant age. The age to come was the birthing of the new covenant age. And it was coming like a woman in travail. Birth pains were everywhere of God's new world coming on the scene. And when he began to say, if you sin willfully, in other words, if you do on purpose go back to Judaism, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, what he's saying is, there's not another lamb coming. He's not telling you you're forever lost. He's saying, listen, folks, if you go back to that and you offer the blood of a bull, and I know folk are all up in the air right now about a red heifer. I can tell you, just like I said in the seminar, the only thing that excites me about a red heifer is a prime ever about that thick. If you cook it just right, I'll put it in the Feast of Tabernacles. I cannot believe that Christians would even be drawn away by the thought of the possibility of something that would insult the spirit of grace and the blood of Jesus because if you think there's any power in the blood of a bull or a goat, you have somehow missed the power of the blood of Jesus that was a once for all sacrifice, that there is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. So it is in this context that Peter is saying to them, listen, in the last days scoffers are going to come. He's not talking about the last days of this age, he was talking to his contemporaries who were saying, it looks like everything's continuing. They're still lighting candles. They're still baking bread. They're still killing animals. It looks like everything continues as they were. And he tells you why God was delaying was because he's not willing that any would perish, but that they would come, come on somebody, to repentance. And then he begins to talk about the elements would melt with a fervent heat, and that there would come a fire, and that there would be a passing away of an old heaven and an old earth, and there would come on the scene a new heaven and a new earth. Now let me just talk to you a little bit about Bible context stuff. If you go back through the Scriptures, and you start looking at this terminology, it's one of the places, I, I, I have it in my notes, uh, I, I'll, I'll read it for you, I don't know if they can bring it up quickly or not, but in... Uh, I believe it is isaiah let me see if i got the passage isaiah 51 verses 12 through 16 says i even I, am... I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled the great i am In this book we will explore the seven times in the gospel of john that jesus says i am when he uses that phrase it is always in contrast to something from the old covenant